set free. You see chains break in and, and celebration. And that's what we want, not just on the graphic. We want this in your hearts. And what we did was when we started this series, week one, we said this. To be set free from anything, you and I need someone or something that is stronger than what is holding us down, holding us back, holding us captive, right? And that seems to make sense, but some of us, some of us are still thinking this. Some of us are still thinking, now, I could get free myself. Look, if you were strong enough, you'd be free already but you're not. So there's no room for fear. There's no room for regret because Jesus is here and he is in a set and free mood. Here's what he said. He said, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. So you and I don't look down. We look up because it doesn't matter where we've been, but who has us and where he's taken us, and he wants to get you set free. So today, here's what we're talking about, being set free from sexual immorality and pornography. So here's uh, full disclosure. It's a little PG-13 today. Uh, if you decided to keep your kids, not send them to Children's Church, you might want to rethink that decision, okay? Uh, because if you haven't had the talk with your kids, um, you're going to need to after this. Uh, if your kid is 25, uh, it's about time you had the talk anyway. So uh, just full disclosure, we'll keep it tasteful, but we're talking about um, sensitive issues. Some people wonder if it's appropriate to talk about sex in church. Well, God invented sex. His word talks about it all the time. Everybody in the world is talking about it, and many of us are struggling with it. So it's about time that the church broke its silence on sex and took back the conversation and brought some truth and life, light to it. So, but the, the reality is really that, that sex is largely misunderstood. And I think about... Uh, an eight-year-old girl who was visiting her grandma and always looked forward to time with her grandma. And things, the grandma was cooking dinner and uh, things started getting kind of quiet. And if you've ever been a parent, which grandma was, um, you know that when things get quiet, that's when you got to worry, right? When you can hear them, that's good. So she uh, put things on simmer and went look for her granddaughter. Lo and behold, the granddaughter is on grandma's bed with the contents of her grandmother's purse dumped out onto the bed. And she's holding her grandmother's driver's license and looking at it. And she says, as, as, as grandma enters, Grandma, I know something about you. I know how old you are. You're 65 years old. She goes, that's absolutely right, sweetie. And I would have told you if you had asked me. Now, if you could please put all the things in my purse back in and come to the kitchen, I'd love for you to help me cook dinner and finish up. She looks one last time at the driver's license and she says, Grandma, I know one other thing about you too. She says, what's that, sweetheart? She says, you got an F in sex. <laughs> so, um, 
yeah, it's a little bit misunderstood, and it's misunderstood in the church. It's, it's not because sex is a bad thing. It's because sex is far better and more beautiful than we've understood. It's meant to point to and celebrate the glorious oneness and the exciting love, the self-sacrificing love that we can have with Jesus Christ, signified in, in a man and a woman, a husband and wife coming together as one. That is the highest and best beautifulness of it. Sex is great and beautiful thing, and the truth is the better a thing is, the worse it can be if it's misused, right? Would you say the sun is a good thing? Yeah, it is. Right? You get vitamin D, you get warm, but you misuse it, right? You can get burned to a crisp. Right? Technology, good thing. Good thing. And the same thing that's helping uh, cure disease and help us communicate is also helping us steal each other's money, um, uh, do all kinds of... So the better a thing is, take, take soda, for instance, right? Good thing. You misuse it, what do you get? Pepsi, right? <laughs> Music. Great thing. You misuse it. What do you have? Country. Right. It's right. You can, okay. Okay. There's grace in this place, right? But you understand that we're careful about it, not because it's a bad thing, but because it's a great thing. And the greater a thing is, the worse it can be when it's misused. And our struggles with sex, how we get it wrong through sexual immorality, whether it's having sexual thoughts or sexualizing people or, or sex outside of the guardrails that God has set up or, or things like that or viewing pornography or anything like that. Our struggles are not rooted in our eyes. Our struggles are not rooted in our careless web habits our, or our habits. Our struggles are not rooted there. They're rooted somewhere else. They're not in our privates. They're not in our habits. They're not in our hormones. Where are they? Let's listen to Jesus. He'll tell us. He says, you have heard that it was said in his word, you shall not commit adultery. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't cheat on your husband. But I say to you that everyone, he's talking to men here, who looks at a woman with lustful intent, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You have your worksheets. I want you to circle those three words, in his heart, in her heart. That is where it is. If we see a person and we have impure thoughts about, it's in our heart, the core of our being. This is the very definition of what happens with pornography, right? We look at other people with the intent of having sexual intent, right? That is what it is. He couldn't have been describing it any, any clearer. So, so we have a problem. We have a problem, but it's a heart problem. We have a heart problem. In Jesus' eyes, does this like freak anybody out? In Jesus' eyes, you and I, or whomever, has actually slept with, committed adultery with, or fornication for not with everyone you have ever seen and imagined, any porn you have ever seen. 
That is a done deal, and it's a heart problem. And Jesus goes on to say it in a different way in the Gospel of Mark. And Jesus added, it is what comes from where? Inside that defiles you, makes us unclean. For within, out of a person's heart. Will you circle that? Out of a person's heart. That's the key. Come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, adultery, lustful desires. This is where it is, it lives in our hearts. So here's the thing. Again, this just diagnosing the illness. No, he is here. He is healing. He has grace. It doesn't matter. You're going to bring it. He's going to cleanse it. He's going to make us new, right? So let's, let's keep that. But when we look at this and when we hear this, our impulse is we're going to clean up our lives from the outside in, Right? I'm not going to go on my phone. I'm not going to go on my computer. I'm not going to look there. I'm not going to go there. All good things, right? I'm not saying don't do that. That's all good things. But those are all outside-in things, right? And if we stop there, that is a bad thing. Why? Because you and I have cancer, and we're treating the symptoms. So, yes, it's important to treat the symptoms, but we got to get to the root because if we don't get to the root and go inside out, then, then we never win the battle. We just continue the struggle and treat the symptoms and say, stop that, stop that, stop that, right? And he's saying it's deeper. That's a good thing. You need to do the outside in, but you need to let me do the inside out. You and I need new and Jesus and God changes hearts. Here's a takeaway. If you've been dozing, this is, this is one that's, that's worth, you know, waking up for. Take a look. I don't have a blank problem. I have a heart problem. Now, this is not just me. This is you. So you don't fill this in for you. I don't have a, a lust problem. I don't have a porn problem. I don't have a thought problem. I don't have a cheating problem. I don't have a sleeping with my significant other problem. I don't have a hooking up problem. I have a heart problem. I have a heart problem. And that is bad news and good news. The bad news is that's deep. That's deep. And there's not a whole lot you can do about that. The good news is there is a whole lot that God will do, can do, is able to do, is willing to do, and, and you will see him do if you, if you just meet in there. I don't have a blank problem. I have a, have a heart problem. And what is that heart problem? It could take several forms. Here are a few of the most common. See if uh, any of these strum your heartstrings here. I seek pleasure apart from God rather than pleasure in God. I love pleasing myself more than I have passion for or love pleasing God. I, I, and that is all because of this one. I love myself more than I love Jesus. And, and sometimes this is true of us. If I live, I live as if other people exist to give me pleasure, not that, that I exist and I live to give God pleasure. Those are all heart conditions and, and, and us tweaking our heart. We, can, we can't do it. So um, we're talking a lot about pleasure. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take a couple of minutes and do a, a kind of a theology of pleasure. That How does God connect with pleasure? And what part does that have 
what does pleasure play in, in our faith and with our God? God is not anti-pleasure. Quite the opposite. He invented pleasure. He, uh, he invented chills that we get, right? When we see somebody, he invented attraction. He invented romance. He invented um, adoring. He invented orgasms, right? Is that the first time you've heard that in church? Well, he invented that. He is not anti-pleasure. God is more, get this, God is more committed to your pleasure than you are. The problem we have in the church and the problem the world has outside of God is that we're lousy at finding ultimate pleasure. We are too easily pleased, in the words of C.S. Lewis. We're bad. So why do we do what we do? Why do we want what we want? Because we are, by nature, by creation, pleasure seekers. We are pleasure seekers. Seekers. And God created us to be pleasure seekers. Do you realize that he invented pleasure? That he gave us the ability to appreciate pleasure? He surrounded us. He created us for his pleasure. And he surrounds us with things that are pleasurable. I made a list. Beauty, creation, food, drink. Do you realize that that eating, God could have made it as pleasurable for you as filling up your gas tank, but he did not. It's textural, it's flavorful, it's pleasurable. That's God, right? Food, drink, uh, music, it's beautiful. Work, art, people, animals, travel, adventure, exercise. That's on my list. I don't know why. I have never found that pleasurable, but God bless you if you do. Exercise, sexuality, experiences, sights, sounds, tastes, feelings. You are surrounded by pleasure-giving things with the ability to be pleasured by them. That is the grace and love of God. That was God's idea, his blessing to you. And here is how we have to understand every pleasure. Every good pleasure, every true pleasure was created and designed by God to point to and make much of him as the giver of that. That's why we pray before meals. That's why we thank God when we see a vista, right? That's as the giver and himself, this is important, and point to himself as the ultimate pleasure. These, all these things are just commercials of the real deal. And the real deal is him. Do not settle for imitations. Right? The real deal is God. And we have to look. And look, this, if, you, if you miss a lot, get this. God is the only pleasure that can fully satisfy you. We go through our lives dissatisfied. That trip, it was great, but it's over. That, that thing, that possession, that experience, it's done. I'm not fully sad. I need more. God is the only pleasure that will fully satisfy you. The entire book of Ecclesiastes exists to communicate that point. 
right? It is all through Scripture, all through Scripture. You open your hand, God. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. Again, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is saying, only I satisfy. It goes on in Psalms, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with what? Good things, pleasurable things. So how do we go wrong? How do we go wrong? By asking too much of our earthly pleasures. By asking, can you imagine um, <clears throat> having a conversation? Am I the only one that has conversations with people that aren't really there? Have you done that? Okay. You see, you see me driving if I'm not singing that thanks song, but I'm talking and nobody's in riding shotgun. That's what's happening. Um, yeah, God forgive me for that. Um, but can you imagine yourself? <laughs> yeah, you're scared now, aren't you? A little bit. A little bit. I want you to imagine you having a conversation with your pleasure. Having a conversation with your pleasure. And it, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be sex. It could be uh, alcohol. It could be a substance. It could be food. It could be anything. And you say to it, satisfy me. And it says, no. Fill me. I'm sorry, I, I can't. Heal me. Make, me. make me feel whole. Look, I, I can't. I was not designed to do that. We get, we get angry. And, and, we, and we say, well, then I will increase you. I will, I will use more of you or I will pervert you. I will change you until you give me that which you cannot give me. I was never designed to do that. And then we become frustrated. We need more. And we're left emptier and not fuller. With less joy, not more joy. What's the proof of this? Your life. My life. Everybody's life. That, that, that's on a magazine cover or that they're saying, like, shoot for this. They got it? No. They're feeling what you're feeling. Disappointed in even the best. That's skydiving. They could get old. Only one. The only one that satisfies is God. Here's, I, Ty shared this with me. He said, trying to get satisfied off of porn is like trying to get full from watching the food channel. Pleasing to the eye, but eventually... You're going to die. You're going to starve, right? Let's take that down. Okay. The problem is that we're asking. Okay, there we go. The problem, thank you for trying to save me, is that we're asking our pleasures, whether they be sexual or otherwise, to do what they can never do, which is fully satisfy our hearts. Paul David Tripp, if you have a chance to read any of his stuff, great author. Every good and earthly pleasure points us back to God, celebrates God as the giver and as the ultimate fulfillment, all pleasure. So here's a guardrail for your pleasures. Okay, we got to move. Any pleasure that you cannot enjoy with Jesus is not a pleasure. It is a poison, okay? It is sweet-tasting cyanide. Good on your tongue will kill you, okay? That is the truth. 
here is something that I do that you can do. If you're thinking about a pleasure, I want you to take your favorite worship song. That last one is perfect. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Whatever it is for you, your praise, your worship, go to. I want you to ask yourself, can I sing this song and do this thing? If you can't, you ought not be doing that thing. That's, I do this. You need to do this. And I'm going to tell you why you need to do this. Well, think about it this way. Here's why you can't make those two things go. Let's, so let's take pornography and those who, who, who get trapped in that. When you view that, you are evicting God from your universe, right? That's why you can't, you can't sing praise and, and do something that breaks his heart at the same time. What exists right there in that moment, it's not God in your life. It's not God on the throne. It is you and your desires. And in fact, that other person does not exist, whether they're on a screen or on a page or standing before you and you're just thinking these things, they are simply an attractive prop that has been configured according to your liking to satisfy your desires. But God and his will and his love for you and his, his is off the throne. You've, you've kicked him off and you put yourself and your desires in his place. And he does not take kindly to that. And we should not take lightly to that. But he still, he still loves. He still loves. I, you know, I think back. Um, we used to do this when our kids were young. And we would just go visit family or take trips. We would uh, go visit college campuses. Because the only one, I, I've worked at Western for like 22 years. So they grew up here, and it's like the only, the only campus they knew. So we went to visit my mom. Tommy's like 13 uh, at the time. So you know it's like 17 years ago. It's a long time. Um, she works at Radford University. It's like a small public. It's kind of a folksy kind of place, but it's got 10,000 people. So we're, we're walking around there with her that day. But she also, down the road a little bit, is Virginia Tech. Right, very different, huge place, like stone buildings, ivy and everything. And, it's, and we walked around there, and it was cool. So after dinner, I'm, I'm kind of sitting around outside with Tommy after Quince went to bed, and I'm seeing a teachable moment here, right? And I said, okay, Tommy, you've seen two very different campuses today, um, Radford and Virginia Tech. If you had to decide today that you were going to go to one or the other, which one would you choose and why? And he looked very thoughtful. And he said, Dad, Virginia Tech, no doubt, Virginia Tech. And I said, really? Why is that? And he looked at me, he said, because the women were hot. Hot. And I thought that was uh, a good talk. Good talk, son. Um, and what we see as funny in our kids grew up to be a problem. Grew up to be a problem because that wasn't a joke. That was a struggle. And it doesn't matter how old we are. I'm going to give you an equation. You don't have to be good at math to get this. But if you get this and you live this, your life is going to be so 
much better. He's saying, this isn't my particular struggle. It doesn't matter. You could apply this. Here it is. Pleasure minus Jesus equals pain. Pleasure minus Jesus minus God who created pleasure, created you for the ultimate pleasure of knowing him, minus him equals pain. It may not be immediate, but it will be eventual, and it is often eternal. It's true, no matter what you are going through. Pleasure minus Jesus equals pain. So we're going to go back. Say, if God promises us deep, full pleasure in himself, not immediate, because that's often the case. Do I want some cheap and fleeting that, that feeds me now? Or do I want the ongoing, momentarily painful, but long-lasting, ecstatic joy of obedience to him and enjoying pleasure in him? That's often what it is. That's the question. He says, you make known to me the path of life, what I'm looking for in your presence with you, not minusing you, is fullness of joy. You see, that's where it gets its strength from the Word of God. And at your right hand, right where you are, right where you are, are what? Pleasures, now and forevermore. Pleasure in you, with you. But our hearts struggle because we still think we know how to find our own pleasure better than the God who invented pleasure and created us for his pleasure. That's like the problem of our minds and our hearts. And we're at war. And, and some of you feel this. And the Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, for the desires of the flesh, of, of life without God, are against the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in you. And the desires of the Spirit are warring against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the very things you want to do. Right? It's just, that's what he's saying. It's a war. So if we back up one verse, Galatians 5, 16, he gives us the key to walking in victory and winning each battle and winning the war. And here it is. But I say, walk by the Spirit, which means live, breathe, think, speak by the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's the key. Walk controlled by the Holy Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We've said it in this series a lot. People say, I'm free to do whatever I want. Yes, but are you free not to do whatever you want? That's that freedom. You walk by the Spirit. His power, not yours. His willpower, right? Self-control, one of the fruits of the Spirit. You walk by the Spirit. You surrender to the Holy Spirit. Every moment of every day, your thoughts will come into line. Your heart will be renewed. Your desires will be changed. Right? That's what we're talking about. Your heart is a battleground. Two forces at war, controlled either by the Holy Spirit or by your flesh. That is where each daily battle happens. And you and I get to decide in every person, circumstance, choice, whether we are going to give control over to the Holy Spirit 
or, or our flesh. Immediate and shallow pleasure or deep and lasting, but it might take a while. What are we going to do? The Apostle Paul says, stop playing around. This is a war. And if you play around in war, you get blown up. Right? Nobody wants to get blown up. Some of you have been blown up way too much. Here's what he says. He says, put to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you? Your sexual immorality, impurity, passion. On the cross, Jesus gave all our impurity, all our sexual desires that are impure. He gave them the death sentence. Paul is saying, execute them in your life because they have lost their power in Christ. He has already won the battle. So you can be washed clean. It doesn't matter what your sexual history is. And if you surrender to him, you can put to death those things that are putting you to death. Carry it out. Fight this war like your life depends on it because it does. About 10 years ago, a young man who was engaged to be married comes to me uh, and, and says, uh, I would like for you to pray with me and for me. I'm like, sure, what is it? He says, well, I'm engaged to be married in six months. I said, I know that. Congratulations. He said, but I, I have a problem with porn, and I really want to get this cleaned up before I get married. Um, and I said, that's great. That is great. Yes, I will pray with you. We pr I prayed for him. I prayed over him. And I said, I'll, I'll, I will pray for you going forward. He says, well, um, I've taken another step. I said, that's great. He says, I got this computer app. It's called Covenant Eyes. Um, and what it does is uh, it lets me select an accountability partner, right? And um, whatever, all my, all my um, like computers, tablet, phone, um, whatever I have, um, will, it will send to my accountability partner all the questionable sites that I've been on on a daily basis. And I said, well, I, that, that's a great thing. That's a great thing. And it's great because then your accountability partner can encourage you or pray for you or beat you up or whatever it is you need, right? A little kick in the butt. Um, but uh, then he said, I, I think you would be the best person to be my accountability partner. And he said, well, I'm honored that you would ask, but I don't think I'm the right person, the ideal person to be your accountability partner. And he says, why not? I said, because if you really want to be serious about this, and I'm, I'm glad that you are, like I knew his future father-in-law was a faithful Christian man. I said, you make your future father-in-law your accountability partner. He said, no way. I said, why? He said, don't kick my butt. But he didn't say butt. And I said, my friend, you have just found the root of your problem. And it's deeper than porn. He says, what is it? I said, you are more afraid of offending your future father-in-law than you are with breaking the heart of your Savior. You need to get to the bottom of that. And no computer app can help you. But he will.
So now none of you are coming to me for sexual problems. I get that, okay. But we need to do this like we mean business. Like we mean business. Maybe you struggle with sex outside your marriage. Maybe you struggle with um, sex before marriage or before you're married. Most people think that's not so bad. Stats in, they do now, Time Magazine, not a friend of biblical morality, just a neutral, right? Um, percent of the American population that would agree with this statement. There's absolutely nothing wrong with consensual sex before marriage. Uh, 1972, after the sexual revolution of the 60s, 28% would say that's true. Only 28%. In 2004, 58%. Uh, no, 44% in 2004. 58% in 2012 were nearing between 70 and 80%. Say absolutely nothing. Well, now, there are qualifiers that would bring that down, but do you think, do you think that the God who um, created you, who never changes, do you think he changes based on what we or what society thinks is applicable, acceptable? You take a look. Here's Jesus' words, not mine. Jesus answered, have you not read in the Old Testament, his word, that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Okay? And he said, therefore, I want you to watch this. A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Okay, do you see what happens here? Like, the guy grows up, moves out of the basement. Right? Leaves, and he finds, he finds a girl like Sheree, who will say yes to go out on a date. And he figures, I am never going to do better than that. I'm going to ask her to marry me fast. Okay, fast for us was like five years of going to the movies. But, but he, he, he grows up, leaves the basement, finds a woman, and, and they get married, hold fast to his wife, and then, and then the two shall become one flesh. You know what he's talking about. And then, and then they will consummate their love. They will make love. They will sleep together. So they are no longer two but one flesh. Do you realize that Jesus is not simply talking about getting married? When he talks about one flesh, he's talking about bodies coming together to celebrate all that we talked about. That's how he views it, right? That's how he views it. And just so that we don't get this crazy, the Apostle Paul says, or do you not know that, that a person who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? Same thing, one flesh. For it is written, the two shall become one flesh. He's referencing Genesis. That, so, so he is seeing this as deeply. And we say, we say things like, no, look, it was just physical. It's just, it's just recreational. It's just... Um, he's saying it's not. It's not. So I want to use an illustration. Um, it's going to grow some of you out, but it's intended to. Because it, it uses something that we still understand um, kind of rightly. This is a, um, you've heard me refer to it before. This is the Cayente burger, right? Um, 
this was cooked last night for me by your associate pastor, my son-in-law, Ty, at the Old Miner. Um, the Cayente Burger is, I believe, a half pound of beautiful grass-fed, grass-finished beef. Um, it is covered with pepper jack cheese, and I just, I, I want to... Disrobe it a little bit so you can see. The textures and flavors combined are just amazing. Um, it has fried uh, jalapenos and onions on there. Uh, there's creamy mayo, lettuce, and tomato. This is a beautiful thing to behold. And it is cooked a perfect medium rare. For the sight, it is beautiful. The smells are amazing. And the taste, well, it's amazing. I'm going to have Mmm, 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 it's so good. I mean, really, it's so good. It's so, so delicious. Mmm, mmm, you have no idea. I'm going to enjoy it some more. Mmm, mmm. You say, didn't you like it? No, 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 I, I loved it. But you see, um, I didn't want the calories. I, I didn't want the nutrition. I didn't want... Um, I just wanted the taste, right? That's offensive to us. And it ought to be. It ought to be. You get kicked out of a restaurant for that. Why? Because we still respect food. We still respect food. It was just physical. It's just fun. It didn't mean anything. To God, it meant the highest and the best. What God has joined together and let no person separate, no person be casual about. It's not just talking about marriage. It's talking about coming together. So this precious thing, we can't make it just about tasting and spitting out. So what do we do? What do we do? I remember I, I asked couples who come to me um, for premarital counseling. And I said, look, I'm not here to judge you. I love you. You know that, right? But, I, you know, if, we're gonna, if I'm, if I'm going to help you, we've got to be honest. Are you guys sleeping together? And, and some of them are, some of them aren't. And it doesn't affect whether I love them or not, whether I'm going to help them or not. But they say yes. I said, okay, well, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that with me. Still love you, right? Yeah. But let me ask you this question. Why do you want me to do the ceremony? Because I'm a pastor? Why do you want me to do that? And, and if they're getting married in church, I say, why, why do you want to do it in a church? And usually they'll say something like, because we believe in Jesus Christ. We're Christians. And we want him to bless our relationship. I said, that's a great thing. That's a great thing. But let's back up and think about this. Let's just think about it. Okay? On that day, 
when you say your I do's to him and to each other, you would like for him to bless your relationship, correct? Yes. You would like him to bless a relationship that you've proven to him you have no intention of submitting to him. Is that correct? Well, we wouldn't put it that way. I said, well, how you and I would put it is not near as important as he, he would put it. So let's back up and let's take a look at what needs to change. If you really want him to bless your relationship, let's do that heart work. Let's get those new hearts. Let's start walking in that. Now, none of you are coming to me for premarital counseling. It's all right. I'm going to be a lonely guy. But we need to be honest. We need to fight like our lives depend on it. And we need to know where our victory is. We need to know where our victory is. I want to give you a prayer. Since we have a heart problem, this is David's prayer. He says, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. You guys, can, you guys can memorize this. Make this your, create in me a clean heart, O oh Lord my God. Renew a right spirit in me. If you feel inclined, go back in your Bibles, pray all of Psalm 51. It's perfect. That, God, look, you are not alone. Everybody in this place has some degree of what we're talking about. We're not talking about problems with degrees. We're talking about the disease itself and the only cure. It's creating me a clean heart, oh Lord my God. Romans 1, the first chapter of Romans talks about we have traded God away for different people, things, and experiences, many of them sexual, that we love more than him. We traded him for that. And in response, his love was so great that he traded himself for us on the cross so that all of that could be forgiven. And regardless of our sexual past, even if it is as fresh as last night, we could come to him forgiven and free. That's the love. When you leave here, I want you to be focusing on how great God is and how great his love is and nothing holds me down when he raises me up. But to do that, we have to bring him all our junk. And that's why we talk about that. So we're going to walk by the Spirit. We're going to walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Create in me a clean heart, O oh Lord my God. Pleasure minus Jesus equals pain. God is the only pleasure that will ultimately satisfy. And he is more invested in your pleasure than you are. Trust him. Run to him. Some of us need to go uh, deeper. If you're a man, uh, Steve Arterburn wrote this book, Every Man's Battle. Uh, it's, it's excellent. It's excellent. You can, you can order it. If you want it, you can't afford it, you tell us, we'll buy it for you. Okay? Um, there are workshops that they do uh, weekends, uh, December 6th through 8th in Denver, if you want to attend. It will change your life. Um, and very consistent with what we're talking about. Um, Edward. Edward and Pam, would you stand up? They are two of uh, the people in our church that 
uh, run Celebrate Recovery. It is a beautiful thing. So many people are getting set free from patterns uh, of sexual brokenness and hurts and habits and every other kind. If this is exploding, right? If you want more information, go talk to them. They'll stick around a little bit after on the 18th of this month here at 6 o'clock. Is that a Tuesday? Yes. Dinner, Edward's speaking at CR. It's open. It's a big group. Um, they'll feed you dinner. Uh, I'll be here. We love you. Okay. You stayed for a long time, but we had the talk. You got a God who loves you, who has covered over everything you wish was not true about you, and has everything more than you need to recreate you into the man, into the woman that finds ultimate pleasure in him. There's no room for shame. There's no room for guilt at the cross. Will you trust him? It is destroying so many people. I don't want God's people, I don't want the people I love to be among them. Let's get set free. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Oh, Lord, my God. And renew a right spirit in me. Lord, um, you are so good. And Lord, we have taken you and good things and twisted them and um, not followed you with them. And they've created hurt. And Lord, I, I ask that you would give courage to each person here to surrender fully to you and say, Lord, I have a heart problem and I need you to change my heart. Even as I work outside in, Lord, I know the real problem is inside out and you're the only one who can do it. But by your cross and by your blood and by your Lord, you took the penalty. You took the power. Now let me walk by your spirit every moment. And the desires of my flesh won't call the shots anymore. I just want to be with you just want you to have your way. Lord, I ask for healing. I ask for courage to come to you. Lord, do your will. Thank you for having the tough conversations with us so you can bring us all home free. In Jesus' name, amen.